It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben Standig here. I am the host of this here podcast. You can find my written work on NBCWashington.com and FanRag Sports. You can also find me on Twitter at Ben Standig. And over the last couple of days, I've tweeted a lot about the Wizards, partly because they had two home games, Friday over Orlando, Saturday over the, the, the Nets, over, meaning they won both games. That's the good news. The eh, news is they didn't really look that convincing in doing in, in either situation. Um, I talked a lot of it a lot about it on social media, and I have plenty more to say. But since the Wizards are playing at two o'clock on Monday in honor of the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, I thought rather than put up a new podcast on the day to day Wizards, something that may be outdated by the time that game is over. Um, I thought I would put up a different podcast for you guys, one I recorded just at the end of last week with Bram Weinstein from ESPN 980, host of the 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. show. We talked oh, uh, we talked about the, the, the current Wizards. We did this after the Utah game, so the same gist applies, seeing as how they, well, they won that game and then they, uh, or they lost that game, won the next two. But the same sort of up and down aspect of the Wizards still applies. We, uh, as I said, we recorded the podcast over at the Parkway Deli at 8317 Grub Road. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about it before. Love me the Parkway Deli. Fantastic. Uh, only place I wanted to do the podcast. They said yes. I have no idea why, but I do know because I'm, you know, nice guy. They're nice people, but you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> definitely out of the box for them, out of the box for me a little bit as well. So we had a lot of fun talking about the current Wizards, the up and down aspects of it, what what stands out to to, to Bram about these guys, uh, but we also got into some other facets and, and I, a topic I always like going back to, which is essentially, what do you make of the coverage in this town? Where do the Wizards stat stand when in relation to some of the other teams? Um, a lot of fun conversation here, so I'm going to play this for you guys today, and then after the Wizards box, I'll get back to the normal situation of breaking down the current 2017-18 Wizards, and all the good and curious that goes along with them. So, um, without further ado, here we go, my conversation with uh, Bram Weinstein, a.k.a. Real Bram W. on Twitter. Uh, again, host ESPN 980 radio show in the D.C. area from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Monday through Friday. So here we go, talking Wizards and... Basketball in the DMV. All right. As promised here from the Parkway Deli in Silver Spring, joining me, ESPN 980 host, Bram Weinstein. Stein. What did I, do? I just got it wrong. Stein, Stein. 
I, I'm an idiot. No, everyone does. That, but I mean, I'm, I'm used to it. But, like, but in the tribe, I should not be getting these things wrong. That's true. That part's true. The first name is typically the problem. Like for some reason, <laughs> I have like the hardest to pronounce first name in the history of Earth. I, 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 it's either Brom or yeah, Aiden, or they assume it's Brian or they think something's wrong. Right. Or it, 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 my wife always laughs because whenever we do like a reservation or I do like a pickup or carryout, I always say Brian because just to avoid the what's the name Bram what Graham. How do you spell that? It's a four-letter word. How hard could this possibly be? Right? So I'm used to it. Well, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you allowing that faux pas uh, to get by. Uh, we're going to talk DC sports and all that stuff in a second. But I, 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 we've been talking here at the Parkway Deli for a little bit. One thing I forgot to discuss, and I'll do so now. I heard you say the other day, you and I have a, a, a fellow... Um, a passion in common, although I think you're t- you would take it more extreme than I would. We both love Vegas, but I heard you say you actually want to move there. I'd love, well, I want to retire there. I want to live here. I'm going to raise my family here, but I want to retire there. I don't know what I'm waiting for because, like, you can still get property there. Like, that bust of that economy out there with the housing boom that blew up, it's still never fully recovered. You can get a piece of property out there for, compared to here, nothing. So I don't know why I haven't done it and just bought it yet, but I love Vegas. It has everything I like. Everything. Like, everything I like is there 24-7, and I just enjoy being there so much. But I am worried that, like, right now I've got about a 48-hour rule. I don't know where you are on that. But oh, no, that's three about days and i got to get out. Three days. I At this point at my age, I'm 44 now. The third day is tough. It used to be a struggle. Now it's potentially going to end up, you know, somewhere seeing a doctor. So, because I, I can't, I cannot limit myself. There's no going to bed early. It's just my favorite place on earth. So, exactly. So, so, so my concern is my, my, I've been going to Vegas since literally my dad started taking me in. I was 13. Can he live out there for a while before he, uh, before he passed? So I was out there and both, I've, I've done the strip. I've done the sub- suburban life a little bit, and my thing is like, okay, so like we talk sports all the time, and I know that for me, because once this became my job, part of me is like, once it's your job, it's not as fun anymore. Yeah, well, that's true. And so I'm concerned about the Vegas aspect. If I actually move to Vegas, then all the stuff I like about Vegas, I can't, you can't do all that stuff if you live there consistently. Well, well why not? I mean, like, why can't you? Oh, I just think I would be in a gutter in about a, in a That's what weeks. I think, too. See, you, you, you got a stable, like, family situation going on. I'm just, like, out in the wind. I'd be a... I am really happy that the poker <laughs> boom happened after... I was already professionally working somewhere because I really think if that happened when I was like 12, that I might have tried to do that and it would have gone horribly wrong. But I think I might have pulled the, I'm going to go live in a house or some condo with eight other guys on the strip and try to make it professionally. Yes, potato pancakes. Thank you. Do you want anything else? Good. A four. Yeah. I'll, I'll hold on to that. Um, no, I think, like, I, it would not have gone well. Like, so, because it happened after, now I just get to go to MGM or something, or home games, and I can satisfy that. But I really do believe, I love Vegas so much, and I love poker so much, that I might have tried that, had it hit when I was young enough that I'd be playing online when I was in high school, but that just didn't exist. No, you mentioned MGM, you mean the one out here over in... Uh, Sure. Yeah. So I, 
I personally, I've been, again, I've been going to Vegas a million times. Other than here, it's probably the second city, the city I've visited most of my life, second most amount of time I've spent. I don't, I like going there for these things. I don't necessarily want it here. I have been to the MGM once. I, I don't, yeah, I don't want to make it a habit. I, well, that's because, because here's the parts of Vegas where you say, I like everything that's there. There's a portion of that that's not here. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No offense, you know, yeah. but like, and that goes with one. It's just the vibe of it. One, everybody is there for a specific reason. People who are going to the casinos here, or when I was in Connecticut, or anywhere else, it's it's entertainment, but it's not that. It's not the let's go to the pool party, drink all day, walk around the casino in our bikinis, back up to our rooms to go to dinner at Nine Steakhouse to get all like. That's not happening here, okay? That's, that's not the vibe. So the Vegas vibe is what can't be replicated. And so when you say, like, everything that happens here is what I like, I like that. So, yeah. like, I'm with you, like, but I still, I do like playing poker. So, <laughs> and now we've got legal places to go do that here. So it's been a fun development for the area. But to sort of turn this back towards sports, uh, it's, it feels like the sports gambling thing is going to hit nationally sooner than later. I, 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 I Yeah. Now, look, I've, I've, I've dabbled many times over the years and done it in ways you have to, you know, uh, find a guy who knows a guy who can maybe take a, take a wager for you over the years. Similar to this, I don't know if I'm even in love with the idea of having sports betting everywhere. I'm not trying to be like a hypocrite about it, but like I just feel like it's not, I don't know if it's a good thing for society, but put that aside. What's your saying of that? Do you like the idea that all of a sudden it could be everywhere? Yeah. Or do you wish it was just... I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm one of those people, one, um... Like, why are you allowing all this money to go offshore? Like, it's already happening. Two, um, more regulation means more oversight, right? So there is less likelihood, in my opinion, if it was legalized, there's less likelihood of the fears that they have, which is fixing. Like, yeah, it could still happen. I think it is more dangerous on the NCAA level than it really is on the professional level. And there have been instances in Europe, like with soccer matches, where they've had problems with that. And specifically in Germany and Africa, there'd be problems with that. But I don't think that is something that would happen here because of the amount of money that would stay here. Like, the money's being bet, right? We're already legalized it in certain places. Why then would it be illegal other places? And why is it all right for all this money to end up off of our shores? Like, we should be keeping it in our economy if it's happening. And I like you. Like, I don't actually bet on sports very often. If I go to Vegas and we're there and it's a Sunday morning, I'll throw money on a game. Or, like, I went out there for the NCAA tournament, and that's really fun. Sure. All the games, and it's fun. But, like, I don't have a bookie, and I don't bet, um, because mainly because I'm not good at it. Like, I lost. I lost it up to know that I'm not good at this. There are other forms of gambling I like. What I really like about it is it's an interesting way to look at sports through the viewpoint of people who are analyzing it in a way um, that we don't typically look at it. Like, we take very broad views of games. These people don't. <laughs> Like, it is their business to get a line, and that line is typically pretty close. And finding out how they got to that line oftentimes can help you lead to a better understanding of what's really happening. And so I enjoy it. Thanks. Jason Sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. You know, By the way, I mean, I'm sorry I keep ordering food. Like, we already ate, and I just ordered more. I haven't been here in a while, and this is like I'm lacking like my childhood. My father and I used to come here. All the time. In fact, yesterday was his uh, was the uh, was his birthday, 
He passed uh, four years ago, but it was his birthday yesterday. So this is an interesting place to be for nice. Well, glad uh, glad that's a good positive memory for you. Uh, I've said before my proudest moment in uh, this uh, part of my career is being able to get the Parkway Deli to let me do this podcast here. I mean, it's it's. uh, I would do my show here. Tell them this. I would do my show here every day if they let me do it. Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, it's amazing. Um, Speaking of uh, the the gambling, it ties back to the wizard. You know, I I certainly do not wait here. I wouldn't bet on them this year. Well, actually, I I, I was going to say I actually I actually would in the sense that because I haven't thought those terms in a long in, in some time, but you know, I'm aware of like, hey, what's the line tonight? Things like that. And knowing how this team is going, where they get up for the good teams and they get down for the for the for the lesser teams, it is like, wait, you're, they're giving eight points playing the team ten games under five hundred. I think I'd, I'd give the points kind of thing. Um, la, la, how can you figure them out? I can't figure them out. They're they're well. They, I think there's something like psychologically wrong with them. Well, the pattern you is pretty lose, obvious at this point. You can't lose to this many bad teams or average teams and call yourself a good team. And but we all think they're a good team. Right? Maybe they're not Cleveland, they're not Golden State, they're probably not Boston. Maybe they're not Oklahoma City, but they're that tier below them, which makes them a good to really good team. And yet they lose to bad teams regularly and at home. So I think it's like, I really think it's a psychological problem now. There's something's wrong with them when they play these teams. And I couldn't tell you what it is, but it clearly is not. Um, it's not a physical thing. You can't blame Wall. You can't blame Morris's injury. You can't blame these things now. Like, how do you go even even like take the Jazz game? Okay, the other night they had no business being in it the way they played. Twenty three turnovers. The other team has twenty more shots than you. Sorry, They're like you better shoot seventy percent or you're not winning. Right? That's just the numbers. Right? And yet somehow they had the lead late in the game anyway and blew that like to a bad team. I don't get it. Like, this, something is off. I don't know what it is, but something's off with these guys. Well, I think, you know, are they a good team? Yeah, they're a good team. They still have a winning record. I think the thing, what, they're, what, they're, what they've proven to us, and we're now halfway through the season, they're not a winning team. There you is know? a difference between being good and being a winner. They're going to be a six or seven seed the way they're going. So that means they're out quick. First round, unless they catch Toronto. They'll probably beat Toronto. They're not getting past that. You know, there's an interesting path if they get somehow a little bit higher up in the seating where it could play out that Boston plays Cleveland in the semifinals. If it works out that way, they're the Wizards with all this Michigas with them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Probably not beating either one of those teams, but there, you know, but it's not going to happen if this is what it's going to be. They have given away way too many games this year for anyone to be comfortable about them. The weird part is, is how they play against the good teams, where at times you go, Man, they can play with anybody regularly. And then they go play the Hawks and look like they either don't care or they have no plan or they are psychologically broken. And that's what's so bizarre about them. Well, I mean, I had a conversation yesterday uh, at the Utah game with uh, Andrew Sharp from Sports Illustrated, and we were doing it before the game ended. So we weren't, we didn't know what the result would be. And but the whole conversation was sort of at the halfway point, catching up on the East, where the Wizards fit in, things along those lines. And uh, we were talking about how, hey, look, if they go up against Boston, I really like their chances. Boston's moves for the Wizards specifically that they made, I, I think, kind of helped the Wizards for different reasons. But that is that's a different story. Like that may be true, but to actually get there, to put yourself in the best position to get there, and 
you know, to, to be really taken seriously are two separate uh, stories. And also, you have to face Boston. If they face other teams, they may not. Uh, how do you take them seriously at this point? Like, that's the thing. Like, if they really want to be taken seriously, how? what is the case that they're making for me to take them seriously? I don't. Like, they don't have, like, okay, so, like, take last year. This is a good example, okay? Cleveland, in December and January last year, was awful. Like, worst defensive team in the league. Terrible. But because it's LeBron, we all knew, don't even consider this for a moment, right? Because he has this equity. He's done it too many times. You know it. And what happened when the playoffs rolled around? They won their first 14 or 15 games in a row. Duh. Like, anyone could see this coming. The Wizards don't have that equity. They don't. Like, I know they won a series last year, and I know they could have got to the finals. They were a game away from it, right? But they don't have the equity that tells you they'll turn it on when they need to. And that's what's disturbing about this. This is the time where they're supposed to be ascending, and they're not. They are stuck in some place that I don't even think they know where they are. It's like it's the upside down. The stranger they got, they don't (laughs) know where they are. Like, Every time when they think they've got the right light switches going off on the wall and they've got the right messages and they do things like beat the Rockets handily, and then the next night they play Brooklyn and look like they either don't care or are incapable of maintaining it. You just go, you can't chalk it up. This isn't like this isn't the Warriors in a bad stretch. This isn't Cleveland in a bad stretch where you go, I know in the end that they're going to be there. I don't with these guys. They're going to have to prove it. And until they get to that point, I guess if they do this year, then we can start chalking it up to these guys will get it done when it matters. But in, until that time comes, because they've never done it, not in my lifetime, you know, like, I, I don't believe it. So they got to prove it. Right. And, and I think I, I talked about this the other day, that there's, there's a difference between um, winning a big game and knowing how to win a big game. In other words, when we talk about the Caps and the Nats, and the, year in, year out, they have a lose in the, the playoffs. We all go into that going, oh boy, here it comes. It's going to, but it's different for me with the Wizards. I feel like with the Wizards, the issue is never about their guts or do they have the mental fortitude to get it done. It's do they understand what actually it takes to make the winning plays? I think the Caps and the Nats do. They just seem to have some bats in the belfry or whatever. And when it gets to those big, big games, the weird things happen because, and then just things unravel. I think with the Wizards, they're to me the team of the four teams we always talk about who's getting to the conference finals. Obviously, it's a little more challenging. It's a little easier for, say, baseball to do it just because it's fewer rounds. But uh, I feel like the Wizards are the team who actually has the intestinal fortitude to do it more than the other three. They just, I don't understand, they understand what it takes game in, game out, how to put winning habits together. That, whereas then they're struggling. To me, that seems like one of the more easier parts to get it done. The other part is trickier. If you, I don't want to say that any of these teams are choking, but if you have that in your head, that I think is harder to psychologically to get out of. I think with the Wizards, too, like, what they're doing now, okay, what should have been happening when Arenas was here was build this foundation of this is the winning culture that we have. You know, you come through here. This is the way we do things. Like, I admire what's happening in Miami. Like, LeBron left. Wade left. Pat Riley. got hurt, you know, and can't play anymore. That should have put them in shambles for years, right? Look how they're playing. Like, there is clearly a way that you are expected to play when you play there, right? And they're not good enough to win. Everybody knows that. But they're a problem. And they're one of those teams where you go, these guys 
play a certain way, and they are that's the only way they're allowed to play, or they're not there. And this is the way it's going to be. And that's Pat Riley, right? And that's Spolstra and Pat Riley, and that's what they've built down there. They're clearly not good enough to win anything yet. But it tells you what you need to know about organizationally what their process is. The Wizards have never had this, right? Ever. Like, maybe not since the late 70s, 80s, you know, when they had really, really good Hall of Fame-type players on their team. They've never had this, where it's, you know the effort you're going to get night in, night out. There is an expectation of what is going to happen. There's no real accountability here, because it's been a legacy of losing all of these years. This could have happened with Arenas and Butler and Jameson, but it didn't, because Arenas turned out to be nuts, Right, And that blew that up, which forced the Wizards to regroup. Fortunately, they got John Wall. It took longer than people expected. And the real next step for him as the evolution of greatest player of this era, and that could, we can talk 30 years, 30, 40 years of Wizards basketball, is he needs to make everyone else accountable and care the way he cares. And if he can do that, so whatever he wins in his career here, if the next group that comes in behind him plays with a sense of this is what it means to wear this jersey. This is how we play here when you play this jersey and nothing else is acceptable. Until that happens, there's no belief system behind what they're going to do year in, year out. They're fun to watch. They have good players. They have a high ceiling and they're not meeting it. And I think that goes back to process. I do think though, I will say this, I like Scott Brooks. I know he's got a lot of criticism, you know, and this, this record's a reflection of him, too. You know, it is. But Bradley Beal's getting better. Otto Porter's considerably getting better. That was a really tough decision they had to make last year to give him that kind of money. Um, Wall's getting better. Like, there were supposedly chemistry problems when he first got here. Those got eradicated immediately. This guy can coach, or at least can motivate. Now, what's the next step? I think he needs his own players to be accountable to one another, and they need to take over and say, this isn't acceptable to us. We don't lose to the Jazz at home. You know, we don't lose to the Nets twice. We don't lose to the Hawks, you know, a night after we beat the Rockets. This is not acceptable to us. And until they turn that corner, there's nothing Brooks or anybody can do. Right. And I, and, I do, and, I, and I agree with all that. I think that's been the biggest, for all the things that people tag on Grunfeld, the fact that they really haven't been able to hold the, the players accountable, build the culture, whatever, to to keep this going, to have, understand this is what, how we do things here. This is how we do things. Yeah, like, it's not. The same thing about the Redskins. And, and I will say That's with, their biggest problem. Well, with the Redskins, the one thing why... There's no accountability. The one thing I, why I've been good with, with them keeping Gruden was, for years, I think the, the biggest thing that people didn't get when it went in the pay Bruce Smith, Adam Archuleta, Deion Sanders, whatever, who has all this extra money, is when, when you... In doing so, they were letting the star players, like Daryl Green was out, Brian Mitchell was out, so on and so on. So the culture of the team was always getting eroded. And so when you're left with no core of the team, the people who make the most money end up having to be the leaders, and they're not always meant to be that. And also, they're just a guy who just showed up to take a check. They're not necessarily all in on the team. But over the last few years, it's felt like they have been a little bit, a little more stable, even though, yes, the, the, last, the records have not been great. It feels like there's at least a little more of, of that, what it means to be a, a, a Redskin a little bit, you know, the Trent Williams of the world now. getting there, but there was there was in the middle of the season at the most critical juncture, Dallas and the Chargers and were sitting there going, "Do these guys walk by those trophies and actually think that they should be proud of what they did with their playoff lives on the line?" Like, this is a storied franchise, and that was embarrassing what happened. And then the aftermath of it was no accountability whatsoever. There wasn't 
There was nobody pounding their fist going, this is not what it means to, to wear this jersey. It was, we're injured, or we're this, or we're that. You know, the Nationals must be laughing. Because they're sitting over there. Who had more injuries than them, right? Look where they were. Like, look how, look how many games they won their division by. Like, it's not an excuse. Like, I'm willing to excuse them not making the playoffs because they had 20 injuries. Like, that's ridiculous. They had that many people on IR. But they shouldn't be excusing themselves. Since when does not putting on that jersey mean something? Like, since when? Since when? Oh, well, he didn't play, so I guess that's why we lost. Really? <laughs> that's where we are? Okay. Because the Nationals didn't do that. I didn't hear one word of them about... Well, Jason Worth got hurt, and then Bryce Harper missed time, and Trey Turner missed all this time, and then Strasburg got hurt, as usual. And we didn't really have a bullpen at the beginning. Did you hear any of that from them? I didn't hear it from them. We made the excuses for them. I never heard them say it. So clearly, there is an accountability, whether that's Rizzo or the learners, or probably Rizzo, that, uh-uh. Like, this, you are here to win. It may or may not happen, but that's why you're here. And I'm waiting for the Wizards to get there, and I'm hoping, and I don't want to pressurize John Wall, but he's got to be the guy to do it. And what I love about him most is it really matters to him. You can tell, you know, like you can just tell. It oozes out of him. He wants to win. He wants to win here. I believe him, you know. And hopefully he can get the other. I think Beal, same thing. I feel it, you know. There's a little more that's going to need to come where there's an expectation of everybody around you just needs to be better. Like, can he get up in Marquise Morris's face and tell him you need to be better than this? That's an evolution if that happens. Like, we don't win if you're going to be average. Stop being average. Or we can't win with you. Otto Porter's getting better. But can they make him, demand him to be better? Like, everyone likes him. He's a nice guy. Clearly, you know, the investment appears to be sound now. It was an interesting decision they had to make. But can they get him to be as angry about it and as want it as bad? And collectively, we're going to do this together and do something that hasn't happened here in 40 years? I don't know. And we don't know the answer to that. And right now, they're not showing the propensity to do it at all. And maybe it's just the NBA regular season. But like I said, they don't have LeBron equity. Like, they can't sit there and pass this off. Like, you'll see, you know, like LeBron can. Mm-mm. No. Not in my book. Yeah, no, no I'm with you. Um, in the time we have left, let me ask you about this. So, the... You and I are obviously into the Wizards. We're paying attention. We're we're getting fired up about the fact that they maybe don't always seem to be fired up. But you take calls every day, five days a week at least, uh, from 11 to 1 on ESPN 980. I take no calls, but that's all right. Oh, you don't take any calls? No. Oh, you, you're, the, you're the Kornheiser model? Yeah. Oh, good. Oh. I'll do it every once in a while. Like, when Kirk Cousins leaves, however that happens, I'll take calls that day. Yeah. You know, like, big things. Oh, Bryce I'm Harper with- resigns, Bryce Harper leaves. I'll take calls that day. Uh, Wizards somehow end up in the NBA Finals. We'll take calls that day, but like I'm not. I'm, I am a little more of the Cornhuskers. Oh well, like I, I prefer that one. I think when yeah. people taking calls, is, it, it shows shows get off the rails too much that way. But um, either way, you you've got a sense. You, you, with social media, you, have a, you you clearly have a sense of what people are feeling about about these teams and how much interest they have and all that. And and my question is, I guess, is it with this with the Wizards, despite you know. This current situation aside, they still have a winning record. They're still top five in the East right now. It's not hard to let they're a terrible team. Last year, 49 wins. They have two. They, John Wall's one of the most exciting guys in the league. Bradley Beal's you know, looking like he should be an all-star this year. Otto yeah. Porter is good. The homegrown guys, all that kind of stuff. They've made the second round three out of four years. Yet, it doesn't feel like the buzz is getting there still for them. It still feels like they're lagging behind the other three teams. In town, yet this is a basketball town. I have said this my whole life. Everybody has said that. I believe this. 
But then I also look at what's going on with college basketball, which I also deal with. And, you know, I know for a fact that, like, last over the last, say, 12 months, the only times I have gone on any of the radio stations is when JT3 got fired or Patrick Ewing's first game against Syracuse. That's right. Nobody on a regular basis is, is asking me, hey, come on and talk about X. And I assume it's the same thing with Maryland as well. Nobody is necessarily saying, hey, come on and talk to us about Maryland. So I want to keep saying this is a basketball town. Maybe I have to rethink these things. Do, do, like I still think the Redskins are the biggest deal here. Well, it was always like a Redskins town, but, there also, seems but not a football to be town. Some kind of, there seems to be some kind of concerted effort by some of the media here to try to change that narrative. I don't know why, but like it is what it is. Like The people who purvey in what we do for a living know what the numbers are know what the ratings are, know what the clicks are, and to sit there and try to be dismissive of it, like things are eroding and it's going to swing this way, I need to see proof of that before I would actually believe it. And there are some you know, platitudes that are said about that that are ridiculous. And do the Redskins warrant the amount of attention they get? That's a different conversation, right? Like, But they still get it. And still, the lion's share of the attention, at least as far as I can tell, comes from them. I'm with you on the basketball town stuff. I think of the Wizards. It's just been so long since they've been, like, consistently good. And Wall's the closest thing they've had. Wall and Arenas are the closest things they've had to top five, top ten player with championship potential surrounding them, get the right people around them, that whole thing. So that's happened. Um, as far as college basketball goes, I, I do think the Wizards would be an enormous deal if they got to the finals and like or started becoming, like, a LeBron situation where we've got this guy who's – I'm not sure Wall will ever ascend to that, but he's clearly got the potential to do whatever. Um, with college basketball, it's interesting. Um, Georgetown has sunk in a way that I find almost unusual, and I actually thought the Patrick Ewing return thing would garner more attention, but it just hasn't naturally done that locally. And I think part of it is that we know they're not that good yet. They're not talented enough yet. And I was, I was even like talking yes the other day, like they played St. John's, and there was Patrick Ewing coaching against Chris Mullen. <laughs> like what the historical context of that is. And yet it was just kind of a blip on the radar, and it wasn't celebrated or discussed. And part of that is Chris Mullen hasn't been the answer for St. John's, and Patrick Ewing may or may not be the answer for Georgetown. Like we don't really know the answer to that yet. We don't know. Like, is he going to get really good recruits here again? Like, are they going to become a powerhouse? They're in a very competitive conference, and they got a big hill to climb to get back to where they were. And I don't know that it is definitively going to happen or not. And Maryland's interesting, too, because I'm a little surprised that their basketball program isn't covered the way it used to be. And maybe part of this is the... I think there was an affinity for Gary and an affinity for John II. And the people who have replaced them don't kind of garner the same attention. And maybe Patrick can do that, but I don't know. Like, when I watch him, and maybe you're around him a lot more, like, he's not as attractive as an interview as John's, John Jr. was. Like, there's something about, like, when he spoke and just the kind of gravitas that he had. And Gary just kind of 
really encapsulated, I think, the Maryland fan base, which to me is the only thing that's close to like the Eagles here, where there's they're actually mean, and there's like this weird passion behind them where they really want to be mean to you, and it's the only fan base we have that's kind of like that. And I, I I like it. I appreciate it. like it's different, you know. Like there's like vitriol attached to the Turks basketball program, but part of that was Gary was kind of so wound up that way, and then they were so good for so long, and they built these rivalries, you know, and I, I think, I don't know, it just kind of captured everybody. And the third element to all of this, and we talked about this before we started taping this, is resources by the media to cover these things have been um, limited. Um, that, you know, we're in a changing landscape of media consumption, and um, people are not giving resources to covering things as, like, as much as they used to. Local TV, Radio, the newspapers, they're just not as much as they used to. And oftentimes, in a lot of the cases, not pointing at anyone in particular, but um, inexperienced people are being given the job of covering these things, and therefore it's not covered as extensively or exclusively or as well as someone who has more experience because they don't want to pay for the people with the experience any longer. And that's, um, to me, a real sad state of our industry. I think we're going to turn around and see it change nationally somehow when everyone figures out where everyone's going to read and watch and consume things. But until then, we're kind of in this nebulous state, and some people are forgotten. And college basketball around here feels, which is really strange, because I, I thought for a long time Redskins were number one. College basketball was number two. Right. The second the Redskins season ended, the Terps and Hoyas were a huge deal locally, and I don't feel that at all here. Like, I don't all of a sudden feel like, all right, Let's go catch up with what's going on in Maryland. You know, it's like Redskins season's over. Great. Let's check in. Where are they? They're right about to start the ACC schedule. Let's find out where they are exactly. And I don't feel that at all. And that's not an indictment of Turgeon. I just, I, he's not Gary for some reason. He doesn't resonate the way he used to. And they're not as consistently good. And there's that energy that used to be in that building. Like, and it, it was Gary. Like, like how John Wall's the energy of the Wizards. Gary was the energy of the Terps. And, it just isn't quite there, and maybe that's what it is. But I, I do largely think more than anything, it's it's not covered the way it used to be covered. And that is important. Like, the media giving it attention, done by really great journalists and really great broadcasters, matters in terms of affinity, affection, and people wanting to pay attention to it. And I think the sports teams, like, I even saw Ted Leonsis write something about this recently. Like, I'd love to see more investment by local stations back into local sports. I think they understand that that is important. Like, they don't want to become, like, just a blip. You know, they're important facets of the community. And, and they're all, like, these organizations, the leagues, the teams, they need to figure out a way to work with the stations and the outlets to give them more access or find ways to get them back on the front pages of their sports pages. Yeah, I, and I think one issue with the college basketball part is that, like, back in the day when we were younger men and you didn't have all, you know, the, the Internet was not a thing and all you had essentially was one radio station for the most part and four, five, seven, and nine on TV, sports, other than maybe some Redskins, everything was seasonal. And so everything got their fair share of attention in yeah. those moments. But then once we expanded more, if you just cared about the Redskins, you could just focus on them with a hundred different options and same thing with the other teams. And because of that, Georgetown, GW, things like that, that with the smaller fan bases, yeah. they, they, they start getting lost because 
like we said, mentioned clicks and page views. Yeah, I went to AU. Like, they're... They don't exist in the local landscape of being covered, you know, and and not even that long. I used to go to Jeff Jones games when he was there. Yeah, fair amount. Of course, they were had a chance to make the tournament. Felt like most years, but yeah, it's it's nobody goes to the AU game anymore. Yeah, but they're like GW was something that people were abreast of. I don't are they even abreast of what's happening with it? Would they even know who's on the players on the team any longer? Could you name the coach? Like you know, there's like these type of questions, and it would take even I have to think about that for a second. And why would I have to think about that? Like who's the coach at GW? Like it's crazy. Or George Mason, you know, it's hard. It's really hard, you know. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, I always get really lament the local news TV outlets more than anything because I look at them and I go, like, if you're sitting there telling me it's not worth the resource because you think I'm just going to show a Bryce Harper home run, it's something they could have seen on their phone 8,000 times, well, then I will say back to you, guess what? I knew what the weather was two hours before your weather person came on at 11 o'clock, too, because that was easier for me to find. Like, I just <laughs> right. get an app, and it tells me what the weather's going to be, and it's probably more accurate than your meteorologist. So I'm, like, sitting here going, since when is this stuff not important in our community? Like, when did that start? Who were the followers who saw someone do this to save some money and said, yeah, that's right, let's eliminate sports out of the local... Really? Like, you actually think people here don't care about the Redskins? Why don't you go look at their ratings on TV and tell me people don't care about the Redskins? Because whatever capital gang show you do, trust me, gets about 1% of the audience in Washington that a Redskins game does, and probably a fraction of what a Wizards game does. Like, you're crazy. Like... To think that people don't take it as important. How about this? Be creative about it. Figure out a way to present it differently. I get it. Like, we can't do it the traditional way. Good. Let's be creative together and do it in a better way. And I think the leagues and the schools and all them actually need to get on board with something like that and say, you know what? They're right because guess what we've been for them forever? They're free marketing on Free. We cover them extensively. They get mad about how we do it, but we put them in the public conscious consciously, consistently, right? If we stop covering them, guess what they have to do? Advertise. Sell. Brand themselves. Figure out if they can message themselves correctly. That's way more expensive than having us go out and do it for them. The people who can write about them, know about them, care about them, and get the community back engaged with them. And the truth is, the engagement and the interest never went away, but it's waning because the media isn't as involved as it used to be. And that's part of economics, and that's part of changing marketplace, and it's also part of false narratives. The people in the newscasts or the sportscasts or the sports pages aren't read or aren't interested in. Baloney. Like, baloney. Like, the NFL, I laughed when I saw this, like, the NFL is always getting hit for eroding ratings, right? And Roger Dell goes, yeah, well, 37 of the top 50 shows were NFL games. How you like me now? That's the truth. Like, so, guess what? There's no memo that people don't like football anymore. So, if you're a television station in Washington, and you don't have someone who's actually covering the Redskins, you are doing a disservice to everybody here who has interest in them, and it's a high percentage of people. It is. And trust me, people want to know what's going on with Bryce Harper and do care about the Nationals and do care about these other teams. Like, it's just, I've thought, it's been a follower's mentality of our stations aren't making the money we used to make. We're losing money. Where do we cut? Someone said sports, and everybody said, yeah, that's it. It's sports. And now, well, you got what you got. You have no sports department. You have no credibility in the marketplace any longer. And the teams and the schools are going, what happened? Where are you guys? Why are you not here? Like, 
Since when do people not care? Have you noticed 18,000 people showed up for the Maryland-Iowa game? Have you noticed that? Like, why wouldn't you be here? Name the other things where that happens locally. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't. And it matters. And you and I both know this because we grew up loving it. How these teams fare does matter for the mood of the community. Yeah. It does. As much as the weather. It does. I really do think bad aspect when people discount sports, especially people who don't really care. I'm always like, yeah, name any, especially in this more fragmented society that we live in because of our phones and the internet. Like, name anything that pulls communities together, like sports, outside of you know, a couple of things. Almost, Just go almost look nothing. at the coverage of the Bills fans in Buffalo after they played in a playoff game that they all knew they either weren't going to win or certainly weren't going to win the next week. And go look at the community. What was happening there? Name something else that's happened in your community where everybody rallies around the same thing. Right? Come on. Like, this stuff is important. You can dismiss it as it's not, but it is. And if you're not going to use professionals to cover it, or you're not going to cover it at all, you're actually doing the service. You're doing a disservice to your community, really. And you know, I've been pounding on the local stations here for a while since I came back. Like, what are you people doing? Like, what? You guys had. I grew up with George Michael, Glenn Brenner, Warner Wolf, Frank Herzog, Steve Buckhantz. You know. Christine Brennan, Tony Kornheiser, Michael Wilbur, Tom Boswell, like, and the list, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but the list goes on and on and on. There's a lot of people that I shouldn't have just left out, but those are the names that just popped the top of my head. Do you know how fortunate we were growing up with that? You know, and now these people either moved on, which is fine, but like, they weren't replaced. Now they're not being replaced. I came back here partially because I want to wave the flag for this community. Like, I love living here. If I'm going to cover sports, I want to cover the teams I love. And I'm, I'll be out there, I'll do anything creative to try to discuss this in as many different forums. But the people who run these stations need to be open to it. Like, and they need to realize it's important. And I know, like, Ted is openly saying it. They know it, that, like, their advertising budgets are going to go out the you-know-what if they don't get the media back in there covering them again and doing a good job covering them and not using people who are completely inexperienced and have no institutional knowledge and are starting from scratch and then they finally get some experience and they take off and it gets replaced a bad cycle like this should be a destination place to work and live we have we have all four major sports um we have major college sports this is a big deal to, to be part of this community and part of this community's lifeblood are these teams so why they're being underserved, I'll, I'll never, I mean, I'm biased because I'm in sports, but I'll never understand it. All the conversations I have with everybody involve something in sports, constantly. Yeah, no, constantly. I'm with you. that's yeah. why I started my uh, basketball in the DMV podcast, because I'm like, this is insane. Nobody's covering college Nobody's basketball covering anymore. The, the other day... The but, Maryland coverage is woeful, and it's amazing. What a huge alumni base. What, are you yeah. kidding? This is like a, a jewel of this area, the Maryland basketball program, and it's not nearly covered in the way it used to be covered here. Absolutely. All right, we'll get out of here on this. 41 games to go at the time we're talking for the Wizards. What's your what's the what's the uh, Bram Crystal Ball say? You're 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 a Vegas guy. You're, you you look ahead. You see the odds. What what's your take? What where does this thing end? Well, the, the really stinky part is like their schedule gets harder. Like they they played a lot of softball. It does feel like I mean we all know that, but like I was looking at the uh, I wrote a game story last night for the Associated Press, so I had to write it in there about like how they've done against bad teams. And I was looking, Dave. Now I think it's eleven and ten, twelve and eleven, something like that against the those teams. But a lot of other teams have only played like. Uh, 
two-thirds of those games against bad teams. Yeah. I'm like, wow, they've actually played way more games against the bad teams than they have the good teams, and that's a lot more to come. I mean, like, if this is what they're doing, like, they're going to go to places like San Antonio and Oklahoma City and been these places yet. Those are losses. You know, like, and those are the ones you just go, eh, who wins there? You know, like, those, the Rockets have some ridiculous home record. Golden State's ridiculous home record. Like, you're not going to win in those places. Well, they've only played Boston once. I think they've only played Toronto right. once. They've only, you know, uh, Milwaukee once. Like, yeah. Cleveland twice, but they still have more there. So, yeah, there, there's more to, there's more to come. Yeah, there's more to come. And some of these, like, Texas trips haven't happened yet. So they're going to go back to back with San Antonio, Houston, things like that. And those are going to be losses. I don't care how good you are. They're going to be losses. And the hiccups have just been too many. My guess now, just from what I've seen, because they've been unpredictable, I don't expect them to get good you know, like overnight. I expect them to kind of go the way they've been going, end up five games over 500, five, six games over 500, get into the playoffs, but not at the seed we expected them to, and then it's going to be tough because they're going to end up, if they get out of the first round without home court, um, they're going to hit either Boston or Cleveland, they're going to be out. And... That's, but that's, they get what they deserve then. Like, I expected more. And can they flip a switch? I doubt it. You watch them every night. I don't, I don't know. You're sitting courtside by it. I don't see it. Like, they look really good against Boston on Christmas Day and look terrible against Brooklyn. I mean, just awful. Or Atlanta, who's just, they're the 76ers a couple years ago. They're horrible. How do you lose to them? By 15 or whatever it was. How do you lose to them? Like, I don't know. So, six seed, something like that. And then see who they get. <laughs> Better hope it ain't Cleveland because then you're out in the first round. Yeah. We will see. All right, 41 games to go. Brand man, I really appreciate it. We will uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks. All right, there you have it. My conversation with Bram Weinstein from... Uh, ESPN 980. Fun talk about the Wizards. They subsequently won the next two games, but like I said, I don't really think the tone of anything has changed that much with this team. Uh, if anything, it's a little just more frustrating. Alright, all that said, Wizards back at it Monday against the Milwaukee Bucks. They lost to, they, they started this five game home stand bizarrely against Milwaukee. They lost that game when Giannis Antetokounmpo took over late in that game and uh, the Wizards struggled to hit some shots late, uh, they were, they've even the road trip up, uh, sorry, yeah, road trip, they've even the homestand up 2-2, can win it with a win against Milwaukee. The Bucks have lost 3-4 since that game, got smoked by Miami on Sunday afternoon, an odd situation, Bucks have a home and, have, have back-to-back games during the day, so that's weird. In any event, we'll see what happens on Monday afternoon, more regular podcasts here on the Lockdown Wizards podcast to follow uh, Ben Standick signing off. And until next time, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Dagger!